Welcome to The Corner, La Source's digital show dedicated to the sport and entertainment industry. Every two weeks, we invite a professional to share their experience, background, and challenges. The sport industry moves fast, and having their insights is the best way to keep up to speed. Welcome to The Corner. Launched in 2012, IMG Arena has recently accelerated its transformational strategy, bringing together all the fundamental tech pieces required in the sports business. We were happy to receive Mark Wrigley, Senior Director of Rights, and Andrew Corser, Vice President of Sales at IMG Arena. We had a great time learning about IMG Arena's services and how they work with their clients on long-term strategies as in the examples of the recently signed MLS or European League deals. I hope this episode helps you crack the IMG Arena code. See you soon. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of The Corner International. Um, today, we have the pleasure of welcoming Mark and Andrew from IMG Arena. Hi, gents. Hi there. Hi. Good to be here. Yeah, glad to have you on this episode. Um, plenty of nice, nice stuff happening these days around IMG Arena. Um, a, a, a lot of... A lot of mysteries to go through um, throughout this podcast, but uh, definitely a lot of ambition and excited to have uh, to have this podcast with you guys. Um, so to get right into it, could you guys give us a quick introduction, maybe starting with you, Andrew? Yeah, sure. So, um, yeah, I'm Andrew. I head up um, sort of our entire sales um, and commercial uh, operation here. So um, covering all of our sales to, to, to bookmakers um, across all of our content um, and services. Um, and then also um, uh, what we're doing in, in the media landscape or starting to develop in the, the media landscape, perhaps one of the mysteries that you want to uh, uh, to reference there. Um, yeah, I've been at IMG for, for eight years now, so I've uh, certainly seen um, the growth from us being sort of a, a fledgling um, little unit within uh, IMG to, to what it is now with um, built out in its entirety as IMG Arena. Yeah, it's it's definitely this growth and this uh, uh, extension of scope that we, that I want to go through uh, during this podcast to have a, a perfect understanding and help with our, with everybody everybody's uh, understanding of it. Uh, Mark, can you go for your little introduction? Yeah, sure. I mean, I I also joined a very similar time to to Andrew over eight years ago. Um, so seeing the growth of IMG Arena um, to, to what it is today has been been amazing. Uh, but my role. Within IMG Arena is working with our rights holder clients, federations, tournaments, leagues in uh, acquiring their rights and managing them through their life cycle with us. So working across all all different sports in all different territories around the world as well. Yeah, yeah, and, and lots there to cover. Um, and just because it's also good to understand a little bit the background uh, of our guests, Andrew, so you come from a non, non-sports environment. You were originally at AXA and Informa. Um, what made you do the big jump to the sports environment? I mean, it's probably um, wrong to say. I, well, look, I, I was at AXA was a um, sort of a kind of a, a bit of a um, sort of a year in industry after, during my time at, at university, um, just trying to establish what I wanted to do, where I wanted to go. Um, post-university, my... My only idea on where I, where I wanted to go in my career was sales. Um, and then if I was to give you a one-word answer, I wanted to work in sport. I mean, I think um, there's a, a huge chunk of the population that would probably want to 
would love to work in sport, right? It's everyone's pastime. It's not everyone's pastime, but it's it's a, a high majority of people's um, sort of life outside of of work. So being able to sort of combine the the two um, is um, is is massive, right? The only real sports company I knew of at the time, really, was that, that I sort of wanted to go in. Apart from the likes of Sky Sports or, or broadcasters in the UK, was IMG. I'm a, I'm a golf fan. Um, I knew of IMG. I knew of sort of the Mark McCormack story. So for me, it was just I saw an opportunity that popped up, went for it. If I'm really honest, I didn't really know what it entailed. Um, I felt I perhaps blagged my way through the interview and and somehow landed in in the seat of, of getting here. Like purely with the idea, actually, my my original idea um, was I'll do a couple of years in this role, then I'll try and transfer into something to, to do with golf um, internally. And I think, as with many people, many people's careers in IMG, um, they get in the transfer to the department they originally wanted to happen just doesn't end up happening because they get so engrossed in the work they're doing and and so um, just sort of knuckle down and involved that that um, you never move. But look, I think. Um, perhaps just saying I wanted to be in sport that, that's the, the the vision but like when you actually think about it say why do you want to be in sport well it's the one thing that everyone talks about right it's, it's the one it, it's the very easy connector and if I was to say from a sales position right you've got the easiest intro of all time when you're going and selling stuff to, to, to customers or, or you're trying to create kind of partnerships and relationships because everyone seems to start on a level ground of having a conversation about I don't know, the, the soccer matches or the football matches that happened over the weekend, or what's the cricket score if you're in the UK or um, um, did you, did you see what happened over the weekend in this particular league? So like it, it's, it's just that it's the connector really, isn't it? Right. It's the, it's been able to uh, sort of link all the things together. Yeah. It's a funny one. So sales uh, first and foremost, and then obviously our orientation towards, uh, towards sport. Uh, it's a funny one. It's really one where it feels like um, uh, students don't necessarily think about working for IMG uh, to begin with, but more want to work in clubs and end up working on with an IMG type organization, because it's actually somehow more exciting and more dynamic on this side of the scope than on the club potential league uh, side of things. Uh, interesting one. And uh, also excited to, to discuss a little bit um, further the whole IMG McCormack because I read the book I don't know if you guys read it too of what they don't teach you uh, at Harvard Business School uh, which I thought was super inspiring but I'm just as inspired and, and um, excited about the new vision that you guys have in terms of not only doing sales but delivering something that's a bit more uh, modern in, in the ways of approaching your services and what you want to cover with the different organizations uh, based on the on the uh, you know on the growth and the the dynamic around uh, IMG Arena, obviously. Um, but super interesting. And you, so uh, on your end, Mark, you were on the sport radar side of things, which is definitely very sports centric and very close to uh, your business now. Um, tell us what made you do the jump between those two organizations. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um- you know, similar similar to Andy, I, I always wanted to work in in sport. I did two two sports degrees as well at university, um, so my first step at, was at Sport Radar. Always uh, you know obsessed with numbers and business and and the sports side of things. So so worked there for a few years. It, it was enjoyable as a startup. Um, the opportunity came at IMG to to join this really new business, and at the time there was there was four people working in in the division. Um, so to kind of really put a put a mark down and, and kind of uh, be involved from the ground up was was really really exciting in this startup environment 
but also backed by uh, by IMG and, and we all knew and uh, had heard about IMG and what they were involved in and all the different aspects of sport and I think that was that was the real key driver here was was being in that startup environment but also having that support of a, of a much bigger business and it was really exciting to and still is really exciting to be part of this still feels like a startup and it still feels um you know so heavily involved in sport as well so that that was kind of my my key driver to move across yeah yeah interesting well, I, I, I was go- i was about to ask you how exciting is it is the transition between systemic growth where you just go after everything versus now bigger team probably more processes right because giving the 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 land that you guys are covering i'm assuming that IMG Arena is now a big beast right yeah i think over over the last two years particularly even during the pandemic um we had huge huge amount of growth and to to kind of evolve the business on from being that uh, really fast paced just everyone doing everything and, and having to, to kind of um you know knuckle down and do it to actually putting in more rigorous process to 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 really you know support the growth of the business because it, that it needed those extra foundations uh, to kind of keep driving these really cool innovative products that we're looking at and, and have obviously developed over the last couple of years um but you know the, the growth side of things is, is a bit amazing and i think i mean I think at last count we're we're close to close to 500 people. So, you know, coming from the days when me and Andy joined when we were five and six, it's uh, yeah. it's amazing. It's, really, it's a different beast. Yeah, definitely a different beast. Um, and so maybe uh, uh, like to take a step back. So everybody in the sports environment knows IMG. Andrew, can you help us narrow down a little bit what is IMG Arena? What is the scope of IMG Arena? Because You guys are in multiple conversations on the betting, on the OTT, working with clubs, working with leagues. What is the scope and how would you synthesize a presentation of IMG Arena? Yeah, I mean, look, if, if we were look at, to, to, to look at it, right, we would focus on probably what's the core of our business, right? And the core of our business um, and probably aligned to, to many these days, right, is data. So we're, we're a data-driven business. We're a business that, that takes data from sports, leagues, federations, um, clubs, players, Um, and we utilize that data. So we turn that data into um, sort of actionable insights, content. Um, we marry it up with other content sources, such as live streaming, um, to, to very much create a, a very um, fan-engaged um, experience. And also we, we're looking to enhance and develop on those fan engagement experiences, right? So um, when, when we take that data, we deploy that across sports betting, media, Um, and pro services so that the sports betting piece is probably um, relatively self-explanatory there's been an enormous boom and this has, has predominantly been our focus um, for sort of the first four to five years of the life cycle of this business right it's um, it was it was capitalizing and um, uh, developing the, uh, the the need for, for bookmakers to obviously have um, data as quickly as they possibly could um, and also become a, a very central kind of source of information um, uh, for what's happening in the the, uh, the the sports betting industry. Now, to a certain extent for us, that evolved what we're doing on the media and, and the pro side, right? So if you can tackle the problems of speed, um, consistency, reliability, and, and you can have them married up, which is I- exactly what the betting um, industry required. You sort of immediately have yourself a product that can can deploy back into to media, right? You can e- immediately have yourself a product that that 
um, goes back into um, sports um, sports pro as well. So we're very much kind of focusing on those those three kind of real key segments for us now. So betting, media, um, and and sports pro. So um, all of these all of these areas, all of these elements, what we're trying to do is is tackle lots of um, I'd say lots of questions. Like we're, we're obviously not the we're not not the only player in this industry right um and there is a huge amount of innovation actually if we went back to what mark's point was like we, we've still got that startup feel we've still got that startup feel because there's an immense amount of change that's happening in the industry as a whole across this across this data segment right it's a very very data rich segment um yeah. so for us it's, it's it's about really fostering that um that kind of entrepreneurial um, kind of based approach where we're getting teams internally to make sure that when they're developing products, they're looking at, okay, what's the use cases here? What's the use case for betting? What's the use case for media? What's the use case for for pro in terms of um, looking back at at how we can collect a a deeper um, level of data, provide that back to clubs, players, federation, tours, whomever it might be to help them inform performance. Um, and the whole thing links back, obviously, in, into the to, to, to the ecosystem, right? Because if there's a more advanced position from players, they're performing better. That might create new um, opportunities from a media perspective or even a betting perspective yeah. in terms of betting opportunities. So we very much view this as a as a kind of um, circular um, sort of industry with 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 data at the core. And look, when we present it internally. We we literally do break it down in a in a visualization so that like data and content is a, is at the core for us, and then from there it kind of it builds out um, and there's very sort of intricate linked use cases across across the um, across the board. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Would it be fair to say that because to some extent data uh, so uh, data capture on site at high speed is probably the toughest job, right? Like in terms of delivering your clients. And so from the moment you capture the data point on site to the moment you deliver on the end platform of the customer is probably the hardest and and, and most essential journey. Would it be fair to say that because you nailed that workflow, you then started from there building all the additional services around those around those data points? Because one, you had to advise on how to capitalize on those data points more extensively. And then somehow the other services around them were just natural evolutions of the company. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you if you tackle the latency, if you, you tackle the, the delivery, and if you're using the correct sort of technology, I mean, like technology is playing a huge part in our business now. Um, obviously, when we were, like we went back to sort of, um, let's, let's call it ground zero, where myself and Mark were, yes, there was technology, and we thought we had the best technology in terms of collecting the data from the umpire's chair and, and passing that through to, to bookmakers, right? But actually, when we sit back and look at that level of technology and that level of, of delivery that we had back then, it was simple. It's simplistic. You're working within a confined environment. You're working um, in yeah in, in a place that is is consistent, and there's only a few actions that you'll need to ca- need to capture. We're moving into golf, which was obviously a, a huge project of of ours. Um, you're on a golf course, 18 holes, variable weather conditions, variable connection. Um, conditions like there's there's no hard wire right we we actually ended up sort of over engineering it so we had four different um ways in which we would receive the data just to make sure that we had four levels of redundancy um and essentially all these pieces of technology were kind of tasked with with getting the the result there as quickly as possible with a bit of information there as quickly as possible so 
yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. If you can tackle that and you can have the reliable source of data, then actually your products become easier, right? Because w- what no one wants to see from a fan perspective is feeds going. I mean, I mean, if you if we look at people that that, that were um, sort of competitors and and people that we work with in the industry, when feeds go down or streaming feeds go down, the the, the backlash you get or the experience that you get is it is not pleasant, right? So making sure that you can consistently provide the uptime and the information that, that people want and people can have at their fingertips right now um, is definitely the most most important thing and where we've been able to sort of really build out the product set that we've got. Yeah, it, it is really one of those things. I won't name them for uh, for their reputation sake, but yesterday night, the first Champions League game in my territory was a big a big mess and the backlash you get on social media is, is pretty instantaneous. So Um, but you know, it's hard to explain to the entire world that OTT workflows are actually complicated and super sophisticated. And sometimes, you know, there are glimpses along the way. Um, yeah, but that's interesting. And so that's a super wide range of services. So I'm assuming Mark, when you go and acquire different sets of rights with different types of organizations, you have a super wide range of possibilities and RFPs that you can potentially answer, but it's also narrowing down and understanding on the other side, what the actual end, uh, end client is expecting. So help us understand who are your biggest clients? Where do you acquire the most rights? Are you working more closely with bookies, clubs, leagues, federations, broadcasters? Like who, like what does the rights structure look like at an IMG arena? Yeah, so I'll talk about, uh, just for, for background, we call our federations and leagues and rights holders clients and the at the end users, the the kind of customer base. So so Andy would do more sales to customers and we would do more services back to the rights holder to our clients. So from a from a client perspective, we can work with a lot more, like you said, as our technologies and our services and our products develop, um, we can we can respond to more RFPs, we can engage in wider partnerships. Uh, so there's there's a lot more that we can do with with the world of sport. Um, so a kind of a last count and it's probably about over a hundred different rights holders that we work with today, uh, predominantly led across the key, key commercial sports driven, driven by sports betting, but, but uh, into wider businesses as well, but led, led in football and tennis and basketball with, with leagues like the MLS and the European leagues. And in tennis, we've worked with the ATP since inception back in 2012, uh, basketball very, very closely with, with the Euroleague, obviously a wider partner of IMG as well. Um, but also a number of other tours, World Snooker Tour, we have a very close relationship with, World Table Tennis Tour, where we provide more than just a, a rights trading service. We, we provide a hell of a lot of their infrastructure um, around production, uh, data collection, data creation, tournament services. So there's there's a lot more that IMG Arena can, can provide. As five, six years ago, we were maybe more perceived as rights traders uh, and and sales guys back in terms of the you know the McCormack days but we are a technology business that can provide all these services so so it's becoming more and more wide ranging to who we can work with and and what different um parts of that value chain we can operate within in terms of a sports federation I think that that's just on that point like it, it's a really I think look, there's been there's been a big shift in 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 the market recently and um I know um, Adam Kelly alluded to it recently in a couple of articles that he's done, and I'm, I'm probably of the, the same opinion, is that, um, that eight years ago there was sort of varying different operators and companies at the different different levels, right, of the ecosystem. 
um, and it was about buying the rights and, and selling them with a margin. And I think what rights holders are looking for or what we can do for rights holders now is is very, very different. Um, we're not just looking to sort of deliver them a, a fixed number. It's it's a plan, right? It's through the sports services um, team that we've got. It's a plan on, okay, how can we help you and, and resolve some of your data collection pieces? How can we make that um, data set richer, which then develops a new incremental product on the betting side, which develops a new incremental service for you on um, on media, which then enables enables you to provide your your clubs, teams, players with with more information that what than than, than what they are currently have. And at the heart of this, it was funny because I was having a conversation um, yesterday looking at our new tennis event centre. That one of the key points that gets raised is is kind of the den- data integrity across the whole. Um, across the whole ecosystem of the product right so if you're looking at a betting perspective right these guys aren't now just considering the data that they're getting they're saying okay we want that data to be replicated in everything that gets pushed out on media everything that gets pushed back to players and every bit of information that gets recorded in 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 the, the history of the sport or the history of the match because they want to make sure that Okay, not talking about integrity from a from a betting standpoint, but the data integrity so that there's a single source of truth. And where before the industry was quite perhaps fragmented with different relationships and different partnerships with different entities getting involved in collecting different data sets or selling them to different media sort of outlets. Now it's sort of, I think there's a feeling that it's becoming sort of full circle. And the only way you can do that is develop a much deeper partnership with a federation, a rights holder, a bookmaker, a, a media entity than, than, I hate to call them sort of superficial, but in certain instances, they were just about taking a, a product and turning a margin on it, right? I, d- I don't yeah. know if that that business model, it has its place still, and there is still definitely content and services that, that were delivered in that way. But there's a much more top to bottom or even actually bottom up approach, I guess, in, in looking at how we collect, deliver and, and sort of monetize in partnership with the federations on this stuff. Yeah, it definitely feels like the sense of the story, right? Where it was a high margin industry, whereas now it's more SaaS model industry where you have to build trust, long-term contracts and like create value alongside your partners. It's definitely something where you want to have one single point of contact. And at the end of the of the day, IMG Arena can be that one single source of truth and collaboration, or you guys can also plug in certain of your services with certain of your competitors on other aspects. Is that fair? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's definitely the partnership approach that, that we take to all of our rights holders and uh, our clients. It's, it's the way we, they expect us to operate and we want to operate in, in partnership with them. Yeah. And so that um, getting back to my initial question is, who are the biggest clients? Is it still, you know, is IMG Arena still mostly on the booking side or is it diversifying pretty extensively? What What is the the, the, the truth of uh, IMG Arena's business in September 2022? I mean, look, it's, it's, it's a tricky one to answer. Like, I mean, obviously, uh, a lot of our um, the content we provide and the, and the services that we're providing are obviously back to, to bookmakers, right? So if you're looking at a true um, sales perspective, then, um, then yes, kind of the... Um, the, the, the sort of betting industry is is a, is a driver, but if we're actually looking at the partnerships that we've got in place for the next, um, like let's even actually even look at long term, right? For the next ten years, some of our um, even sort of 
slightly below that, let's look at the, the partnerships we've got between five and, and 10 years over the next side. They're sitting with rights holders, right? Um, and those partnerships, um, they're the one, there's actually, they are actually where the value is, is held for us. So although not a, um, in some instances, um, a direct sort of payment that's, that's coming back to IMG, they're informing and they're developing the, the sets of products that we're going to be producing across betting, across media, across professional. Um, and they're the, the underpinning essentially of, of what we're doing over the next, uh, well, over the next sort of five to five to 10 yeah. years. Um, so that, that's where it's, that's where we're obviously going through this, this material shift now, right? We've, we, it's fair to say we are probably behind the curve in terms of technology and, and what we were doing. We're now, we're actually now getting to a place where we're, we're trying to skip and go ahead of the curve. Um, so the, the stuff in the in, in the middle to us, okay, that's being done, but it's how can we actually skip the stuff that's currently being done to, to go to sort of version V2 um, yeah. of what, what can be achieved. Yeah, definitely makes sense. Um, so let's, let's dig into concrete examples, right? One of the big ones is the, big deal that you guys signed with European leagues. And maybe that's one for you, Mark. Um, so first of all, and then just, and just because in terms of everything that we've been discussing is the perfect example of that long-term contract syndication of interest of different uh, clients in a certain area. So can you help us understand and explain maybe to those of those of our uh, listeners that don't know about European leagues, what is European leagues What's the contract and what's the objective as an IMG arena uh, with such a collaboration? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, European leagues may not be a, a well-known uh, brand, but it's a it's a fantastic organization which pulls together um, a, a whole host of uh, member leagues throughout throughout Europe. Uh, the deal that we have in place with them includes nineteen of their member leagues. Um, so to bring them all together into a collective agreement is uh, not the simplest thing, but uh, the the organization of the European leagues is 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 brilliant at, at, at working very closely with its members. Um, so they have worked over a couple of years slowly aggregating and building up their FastPath data rights uh, to, to uh, push out to the market. Over the last couple of cycles, they've been distributing that non-exclusively to, to a number of the other suppliers in this space. Um, and we decided that we didn't want to be part of that process and we wanted to reimagine how a partnership would work with the European leagues to, to add as much value as we possibly could to them. Um, and also to, to build out this uh, solution for ourselves. So we reimagined re this deal alongside the European leagues where we would be their exclusive official data uh, partner for FastPath betting data. Now, what does that mean? That means we, we uh, go into Stadia and collect live, live uh, incident feed um, throughout every game from, from over 8,500 different matches each year. So a huge, huge amount of content where we've got to get those things that we talked about earlier in terms of latency, accuracy, reliability, um, that are all incredibly important for the betting industry uh, because of the huge amount of liabilities that go on to these, these level of matches. Um, so for us, it's, it was building out an ODC network or official data collector network, as we call it, of individuals who will go and collect all of these uh, matches in real time relay that back to us, we've built out custom software that collects that, sent out dedicated hardware to, to, to ensure that we have all these um, component points around accuracy and reliability. Um, that comes back into to IMG Arena and we distribute that out to our partners 
uh, to our customer base. So it's it's a complex deal, a huge operational undertaking, uh, but a fantastic um, partnership that we have with European leagues and, it, and its 19 members. Yeah, definitely. And so one of my questions, but you partially answered it, it's, it's a mix of hardware infrastructure that you install in every stadium or that is movable? So it's, 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 it's their tablet devices that uh, each um, ODC will have and take to the game. There's a lot of data integrity around um, how that uh, score enter, uh, you know, is accredited and um, has to have uh, verification when they get to venue. Again, protecting all the the integrity side of that data. Um, we have custom built software that we've created that correct, collects the relevant data points because not all data points are are relevant to all sectors. They may be market suspensions and. Um, dangerous attacks and how the ball moves throughout the pitch, which you'd never see as a consumer on a broadcast feed, but you'd, you'd expect yeah. that from, yeah. from a betting feed. So there's the hardware component, the software component, and we've worked with, with all the leagues as well to get the uh, connectivity infrastructure in place. So as part of our deal, they, they will have to provide dedicated uh, connectivity to again ensure this reliability back to us and, and the latency as well. So it's a... Uh, huge operational one for us, but also a partnership approach with the leagues who, who are involved with it, want to be involved with it and uh, and believe in our kind of distribution and our messaging around official data as well. Interesting. And has and obviously one of the big things why European League was created was to actually protect the interest of the of the individual leagues that couldn't strike such deals uh, if they weren't, you know, brought together. Is it something like, is it, is it something where those markets would not have been interesting for you guys if it hadn't been, hadn't been centralized uh, by European leagues and because of the volume now it does make sense or is it, are, are those territories where, that you're going after regardless? They are relevant leagues and ones that we, we, we already partnered with a number of them from a video streaming perspective anyway. Um, so they were, they were partners of ours. Uh, one that we would always be interested in in those leagues um, But the aggregation of those rights and the volume makes it a much more appealing um, proposition to us. And hence why why they pulled their rights together, because they believe in that value as well. So we we would imagine they're starting to to think about other opportunities around aggregation of these rights or similar rights and, and other opportunities because of the, the impact that we've had with them. So um, for sure, the, the volume is a key driver. Yeah, terrific. And so that's very straight, very straightforward betting first type of solution. The other very big contract that you guys signed is with the MLS, um, and where I quote, "You will deliver official data, innovative content solutions, next generation fan analytics, and marketing tools to the MLS." Tell us more about it. What is behind all those words? Which of the services that we started discussing are included in there? Uh, which ones are not? Um, Tell us a bit more about this uh, very significant deal because we also everybody knows about the the big contract that the MLS signed with Apple. Obviously, um, the, the the potential of the MLS on the American continent is huge. So I'm assuming that this is a very strategic one for you guys. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and the MLS, while potentially is still growing, I mean, it has already established itself. Now it's it's the fourth biggest league. It's it's outgrown the others. Um, there in the US and but potentially still has a lot to grow, especially with the World Cup coming in a few years time. We expect soccer to keep developing uh, within within North America. 
Um, how did we get to to where we are today? MLS have been a partner of ours since since 2015. We've we've been working really closely with them uh, from a video streaming perspective into the sports betting sector, as well as wider IMG media relationships. So uh, they they've already been a partner of ours. We've had long term discussions around how do we evolve and expand um, and extend our partnership with them. And uh, these these kind of conversations have have long been going on, where we got to a point where it's what what were the MLS's issues? What were their uh, desires? Where did they want to get to? And where did we th- think we could add value? So um, as part of that, we, we've we gone through the process on not just fast path data collection, as we talked about with the European leagues, but also working with them on event data collection and uh, player and ball tracking their data collection. So how do we bring these three different data sets together to, again, create these really compelling products like we have done in golf, like we have done in, in MMA, like we have done in tennis. Um, so bringing more uh, innovative solutions to to the fan by, by adding in different data sets. Um, so that was one of our one of the key components, which is all around the services that we can provide and, and the content creation. But then also adding in our, uh, you know, unique USPs in terms of event centers and innovative solutions on that side, which are which are really driving fan engagement. Um, then the other component is is how do we grow their audience, um, working very closely with them, and then also monetize that audience. So uh, that's another part of our solution using the data that we've created, how can we use that to drive audience growth, drive um, drive actions in the sports betting sector or, or in broadcast? And, uh, and then also, how do you convert fans uh, into being more more active fans rather than passive fans for the MLS? So it's, it's a really wide-ranging uh, partnership we have with them, uh, one that we, we really believe in the MLS and the growth of the MLS and uh, ones that kind of suit our skill set. But We'll also expand into other partnerships with other federations as well. So I think those two examples very well cover the, the two of the three pillars that we discussed uh, coming in this conversation, betting, media. What about Sports Pro? So you mentioned that Sports Pro was a key pillar for IMG Arena as well. What are you guys doing in that space that is a marquee type of collaboration? And um, you know, how do you go about that particular market? So I think our best example is in is in the tennis space where we work very closely um, with the with the different data sets, um, but it's still quite early days in how we approach these the the sports pro sector. Uh, but in in the world of tennis, we're providing richer data through through the different um, ways of different methodologies of collecting data back to back to the players and the athletes and how do they improve their game. Same as we're evolving that and, and repositioning that in football, we work closely with the MLS and what do they want to get out of it? What do the clubs want to get out of it? What are the teams, what, what are key data points for them? Um, but that's still to be developed and evolved with, with the MLS in partnership with them. Got it. Man, I'm, I'm just imagining being in Andrew's shoes and going in front of all those organizations. Where do you start when you actually pitch all those services to those organizations? Um, it must be super complicated and at the same time super exciting. Is it is the is the north star of IMG Arena to really be able to cover 360 needs when it comes to data points, digital services for all those organizations? Is that the ultimate north star? Uh, yeah, I mean, look, I think as Mark said earlier, right? If, if you're looking at um, 
let, let's split this into you, you've got clients which are, are federations and services and you've got um, customers i mean each can be each right but just for the purpose of this conversation you've got customers who are bookmakers um media outlets um and or, or teams right um i think in 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 one sense that the 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 north star for us is to be able to succinctly collect and then succinctly deliver a this the the, the package of, of solutions right so um if we are taking what we're we're selling on today on on golf um if we're ta- taking what we're selling um, both to um, bookmaker operators and media outlets right we are not selling them individual components um, so we're not selling them an isolated feed for for the data. We're not selling them in, then an isolated feed for the streaming or an isolated feed for course maps, visualizations. Um, we're, we're packaging that up in a full kind of end-to-end solution for fan engagement, right? So when we're looking yeah. at the bookmakers, we've tackled the issue of, of fan engagement on golf from top to bottom, right? Um, first of all was the data collection. We will talk about how the data collection is done and how we are robust and consistent in collecting that. We will then talk about how we tackle bringing um, the sport of golf to life. So someone on a bookmaker website or a media website can very easily navigate around what is happening in that sport on a hole by hole and a player by player basis or a three ball group basis, right? We, we do a lot of work on, um, uh, on on talking with customers on on talking with um uh with sort of like industry experts on what's the best way to approach this um and then if we're looking at the bookmaking sector right it's okay well how do you turn this data um into into odds right because it's, it's an enormous data set um yeah. and for each individual bookmaker in this instance to do it themselves they would have to acquire acquire huge teams, even even the top bookmakers in the world, right? This is a huge thing for them to be able to tackle. Um, there's no way they'd be able to go to courses and do flyovers of every single hole and, and map them on a, a 2D, 3D, um, 4D level. They wouldn't be able to put um, green cams behind um, each of the greens that, that collect, that, that, that can pick the ball up flying like onto the green and, and, and pick up their location within sort of half a ball width. So, a lot of this kind of goes on in in in, in the background, right? And we, our, our ultimate focus in everything that we do is say, okay, what, what's the north star with this product, right? Um, what's a what's a kind of base level product that we've got to to get out, and and arguably our base level product is always more advanced than what's available right now. But then it's saying, okay, we sort of have to rein our product teams back in sometimes. They look, hold on, like let let's let's go with this as as base, and then we've still got a hell of a lot more. Um, that we can do um, going forward. I mean, even if you're looking on golf, the the data and the information that we're collecting allows us to grid up a green and and even get to a stage where you could um, create an interactive green map on on where the ball might land. So whether that's for free to play for media organisations, for for bookmakers, um, or actually even then going back to players, right, and providing them very very detailed information on location to. Um, distance the whole location to, to um uh proximity sorry to the whole um so like if i if i take that all back it, it's about us do, doing the work the legwork behind and packaging that in a full solution for a customer so that the solution is there in their hands there's not much else that they need to go out and do apart from yeah. just work with us on on how we sort of communicate and, and work with this and, and look pga tour dp world tour they're probably perfect examples of how we've got an incredibly engaged um uh client on the the rights holder side 
who has actually become fully embedded and engaged in pushing a, a product that um, an agency has has created or a technology partner, which is what we are ultimately becoming now, and actually pushing that to their customers. They're doing a phenomenal amount of work with with betting operators in the, in the US, right, and and making sure that they're on board and, and they're fully engaged with us rather than just the old transactional model where they hand the rights over and it's all down to to um, to, to the product, right? For, in our eyes, this is PGA Tours product as much as it is our product. Yeah, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Um, and just from a pure tech stack perspective, also to 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 move forward with this growth and obviously the acceleration and and building a, a a new tech stack partially from scratch on certain topics and then with a still relatively young existence, uh, even when we look at eight years ago, um, how strategic is it for IMG Arena to ensure its growth through acquisition? If we take the examples of flight scope and signality, for example, for the for the capture on site uh, that are two very uh, that were relatively young yet very promising uh, uh, startups individually, um, how strategic is it for IMG Arena to actually take the best tech startups in that space around them to accelerate the growth? Yeah, it was hugely, hugely strategic for us. It was a key component of our of our growth strategy of how do we provide more to our federation clients, uh, uh, to our partners. How do we work better for them uh, in producing the the best data and content to the market? So, you know, using FlightScope uh, first, we worked with them since 2012. We We've um, been on that journey with them on, on in the tennis space, uh, worked very closely with them from a data collection and uh, live streaming production uh, perspective. We, uh, as we evolved into into golf, we, we partnered with them and co-developed the live scoring solution uh, alongside them. Uh, we, we recognized their operational excellence and, and worked with them and saw them as the leader in this space which made it a really natural fit ultimately for us to acquire them um, back in 2020. Um, so for us to then expand and invest in flight scope to, to really build out into other sports, and we've already touched upon what, what we're doing in football, but that's it's also in, in place with basketball, with volleyball um, and other sports um, where we can provide a whole host of services to our clients, not just, fast path data collection but on-site services uh, as well so for us it was hugely important to to bring them in-house and, and really expand on our services back to the client back to the federation um, and then when we look to to uh, signality for example who, who most recently joined the the IMG arena family uh, one, one we've been monitoring for a long time and and realized that they were um the kind of leaders in the computer vision space in how in how they collect data from from video footage, we identified them as that that's our next big growth area and and how do we add in that player and ball tracking, which is becoming synonymous with with sports broadcast coverage with with the new betting markets with all the data that needs to be provided back to the sports pro sector. So, for us to kind of provide as many components of that uh, data collection content creation it is it, hugely fundamental to us to our strategy um, and hence why we identified two real leaders in this space to to uh, to join us yeah 
Um, and to get back to the to, to those big deals that you guys are tackling and the investments that you are doing to be able to uh, be the best in that very ferocious uh, uh, comp- and competitive landscape, I would say. So I'm assuming you guys work very closely together because there's a fine balance between what you guys are selling, what you guys are paying for in terms of rights. Is that fair to say that you guys work very closely together? And how do you find the right balance between value in kind services, making sure that you also you know generate the right amount of cash on a on a on a monthly basis on all those topics? How do you actually go about those different topics? Uh, working collaboratively collaboratively yeah i mean sorry i was uh, just gonna say you know we we talked about this earlier they're they're complex deals they're they're heavily complex partnerships that we enter into and um luckily enough andy and i've worked together for eight years very closely and uh, we've seen how our business has grown together to really understand it uh so we so yes we work we work hand in hand in in all of the uh commercial aspects of of our business um as that's as you know, it's critical we're disciplined in in that process and um, we uh, don't over promise or under deliver so uh, yeah hugely important for us yeah i mean look, mark's last point i think like one of the the key things is is coming from that startup mentality at some point you do have to have some level of, of governance and you have to have some sort of level of internal process and make sure that everyone within the business is on the same is on the same track right so for us it's making sure that everyone internally has a and we've worked incredibly hard on this over the last sort of three or four years um like look, i i describe perhaps the first three or four years of my my time at img and hopefully mark probably agrees is you just get stuck in and you just do stuff and everyone got stuck in and everyone just did stuff right and, and we made things happen now we get to the stage where we've got competing technology priorities and and ensuring that we're hitting milestones for for customers so a lot of it's been around um, internal governance and making sure that everyone's uh, opinions are heard and everyone knows the sort of key clear benefits of doing one project for a client and what that might develop for for future clients um, and making sure that we're we're very sort of disciplined on on the way that um the, on the way that we're working and it, and you know what it's nice because it, it's giving clear direction right it's giving people room to grow innovate and build stuff where we where we absolutely where, where we know it's going to be beneficial for for future deals for future capabilities but at the same time everyone's got a nice clear direction right everyone knows the path and the road that they're traveling on um and this is actually, I think this has been one of the biggest hurdles, right? Because you, you go from a point where everyone can just, everyone's kind of just tucking away and, and getting on with what they're doing to now a point where there's, there's just that, that gentle hand of, of guidance and vision and direction just to keep everyone on, on the same path, but still allowing enough, enough room for that, that innovation. Yeah. And actually, that was one going to be one of my last questions for you guys, because we've talked a lot about those very tier one clients, marquee deals where it does make sense to invest in, you know, heavy technology and, you know, big strategic, big competition. But another example that was very interesting preparing this podcast was the Kitterminster Harris example that you guys managed to accompany, create a lot of value alongside um, and at a very different range, right? We're not talking about the same type of organization. So, how do you how do you manage to cover your tier one clients with their needs and 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 um, and the very 
advanced tech stack that you need for those for for those organizations meanwhile still delivering those smaller organizations where you actually also create a lot of value through your know-how um how do you cover that wide range of capabilities and can you give us a bit more context on that whole Kitterminster Harris um example so so just i mean talking about the the range of clients that that we work with uh, we find the best approach for each one of those and again as we talked about right at the start we we always work with in a partnership approach what's the best technology we can provide for them what's the best way to to monetize their their rights what's the best way to provide services to them and for us it's about giving them the best share of voice um, that we can provide so so it's promoting our clients be that against our competitors but it's it's about elevating the work that we do with them um, and putting them as high as we possibly can um so that that's how we take our approach to to all of our uh, partners all of our clients is uh, you know it's a very partnership approach rather than our one a one shop fits all um proposition i mean look, j- j- just in this example that you reference here right i mean it's um this uh, openly it might not necessarily be down to the work we've done directly with the client here but it speaks to a lot of the items that we speak with with both our clients and customers about which is look, we we will work with them to to make sure that a their product is is visible um and b that we can actually guide them with any of the advice that we've had like a, a big um part of i think how we've grown out our portfolio whether that be on the streaming or the data side is is looking at, at timings and visibility right um one of the big projects that we we had on over covid was um utr um UTR is a, is a tennis series that um, we've really backed and, and looked into, um, not only because we, we feel there's an enormous amount of value in there, but we also feel that the way it's set up um, and the ranking system that's in place there is is um, it is a, a disruptor to a certain extent. But through that project and the work we did with them, we said, look, if this is going to be successful, you need to capture eyeballs. And the way we're going to capture eyeballs in this instance is by making sure that there's no conflicting or competing schedules with those big events which we're never which our aim in this instance is not to draw their eyes away from it it's just to make sure that you have eyes on yours and you are that that become that kind of supplementary um content so it's all of these individual items and these points that we we raise in in all of our conversations and that flows through obviously to the work we've done with utr but also then when we're selling this product and we're, we're selling this content right we're going through from on, on the other side and we're going through to bookmakers saying look 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 how this is scheduled right they're they're scheduling them and making sure that they're non-competing events with 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 items like eight with key ATP tournaments with Grand Slams, um, or they're on the opposite side of the globe, so that, that ATP might be finishing and and the next content that, that an individual can roll into it is, is UTR, right? Um, so that it's so that we're working on that kind of like transition from from customers in, in from premium tier, but then also providing kind of the um, look well acknowledge it's it's not the top tier of tennis, right? And it, it's 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 never going to be it's it's a, a feeder or a seeder or a um a a very competitive um lower tier tennis tournament but what we're delivering for them and how we're guiding them through that process is is super important interesting and in general uh, maybe one last question how do you strike the right balance between um the license that you can expect in the short term that uh, creates short term MRR, ARR that is relevant and the potential upside that you 
analyze in terms of the different collaborations, right? Is is it uh, is it a, a very standard type of collaboration where with the big organizations it's ma- uh, mainly licensed, and with those smaller tier organizations that we started discussing, it's lower costs but more upside, or is it not something that you guys are meeting in your um, that we couldn't standardize in your global relationships with the different uh, organizations you work with? It, it's a complete variety. We we again not to not to labor the point too much but it it's a it's a unique approach we take to every one of our clients that that um we see the best way of working with them uh, and we believe in the long-term sustainable growth of these clients rather than how do we do something short-term just to create margin that's that's not our approach to the marketplace at all so it's it's a whole host of different ways of working it's there's not just a this is how we how we structure a deal and therefore you know we work with you or we don't um there's there's a, a real partnership approach. Yeah. So, so think, you are that 500 people organization with still that startup mentality and agility according to the to the various needs. Sorry, I interrupted you, uh, Mark. Uh, Andrew, you wanted to say something. No, I was going to say, look, I, I think it's taken a lot of resilience as well, right? And it's taken a lot of commercial resili- resilience and, and discipline in, in order to not necessarily get dragged into to short-term pieces. Um that one of the the biggest challenges we faced was was when PASPA got repealed, right? And and the the right segment for US content went absolutely nuts. Now we could have we could have sort of doubled down and and really gone hard on some of the enormous properties. But I think at the core of it, we were like, hey, what will this deliver for us long term? How can we change? Um, how can we change what this sport league federation can deliver to its its customers? Um, we we get questioned all the time like oh why when why didn't you sort of go really hard on this one and and the, the answer is like that there, there is obvious value in it but for us long term we also want to make sure that we've we've developed the best possible products technology solutions that can not only enhance the over the lifetime of this deal but are going to enhance other federations other clients other sort of opportunities that we're exploring um and look, it's it's tough. It's tough as well when you you're in you're within the ether of IMG and and Endeavor as well. Who who um, let's be honest are, are in conversations with every possible ether of the entire ente- entertainment industry, right? Because uh, everyone has an, an opinion on on perhaps where we should be going, being the sort of um, the house of, of data and technology as we're sort of kind of forming into within IMG. So it's yeah, a lot of commercial yeah. discipline and 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 uh, resilience i'd say yeah once again there's not that one right way of striking the right balance between product and sales opportunities um but i guess yeah uh there's a lot of uh uh, evaluation that comes in when you become a 500 people organization and have to deliver a lot of clients throughout the world um great look it was great exchanging with you guys Uh, one question we always like to ask our guests on this podcast at the end of it is if there was one book one movie one series one you know, show that you would like to recommend, what would it be? Uh, I'll start. Uh, the, the book I read recently that, that really uh, opened my eyes to some, some leadership uh, theories was uh, Phil Jackson's 11 Rings book. I think we all watched The Last Dance during lockdown. It seemed like everyone, every sports fan and non-sports fan watched it. Um, and I became obsessed with, with how he coached and, and led his team. Um, but his his book on on leadership and his approach to it is uh, was was really interesting and, and a fascinating read. 
you know, one, one little story for me about Phil Jackson is that he was always like the perfect example of how to manage, et cetera. And between yeah. The Last Dance and a, a show I recently saw, it's called L'Envers du Sport in English. It's on Netflix about uh, NBA, uh, an NBA referee that was, um, you know, cheating and giving information about the outcome of matches to different people. Um, I wasn't sure he was the type of mentor and and coach that I thought he was in my young Chicago Bulls fans' eyes when I was a kid. Yeah. <laughs> But good. I, I, I'll definitely take a look at that book. Yeah, it's great. Cool. And you, Andrew? I'm going to say I love Shoe Dog by Phil Knight. Like, I, I thought that was um, – I, I really, really enjoyed reading that. And the reason I enjoyed reading that is because you understand the ups and downs that, like, that they went through with with hiring more people, with him sort of perhaps identifying where actually his strengths and benefits and, and weaknesses kind of were in his kind of career, his management. And you know what, like the, the rights industry is is similar, right? You it's quite hard when I actually explain to to my friends like like what it is or what we do or, or how we go through things. It's like so you don't have a confirmed sort of underlying product, like everything you have to sort of then go out and buy a rights kind of a set of rights to actually fit into that and we get that peak and, and trough all the time and um and when i was reading his book i was like well look there's, there's actually comparatives here but you just don't hear about it right because you you see the rise of the brand you see the rise of of what's ha what's happened in that um that organization and you think oh it's just straightforward right they've they've just driven it so it was um identified with it a lot and if i'm going to add one more in there i'd say entourage you've got to watch entourage if you're if you're a fan of uh That's that's the way I used to sort of explain or sell my sell sell the company, right? Used to go in there from day one and say, "Have you seen Entourage?" If they said yes, I'd have an immediate conversation. If they said no, and I sort of have to awkwardly explain what Entourage was about and, and link it to the story to us. I'm a big Entourage fan. I'd never expected anybody to mention that uh, Siri on this on this podcast, but um, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, that that whole network element uh, is definitely something that is very relevant. Mark, Andrew, thanks a lot for taking an hour to, to discuss with us. Uh, help us understand a little bit what IMG Arena is about uh, and where to expect to see more of you guys uh, in the upcoming years. Um, thanks a lot for your time. Much appreciated. Thanks right. so much. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope you enjoy it as much as we love creating them. If you like the episode, feel free to comment, rate, and share with people around you. You can visit our website, www.lastsource.io to learn more about our activities. You will discover a wide range of articles and can subscribe to our newsletter to receive the latest tech and sports news in your mailbox every month. Stay tuned for new episodes. Le Corner.